Today we are continuing on the series of the, the core values of the church. Today I'm talking about um, unity in our fellowship. And sometimes I think I, I find that extremely difficult as I'm a bit of an introvert. When I'm tired at the end of a long day, the last thing I want to do is, is talk to people. So I kind of hide in my, uh, my house now and, uh, you know, and, yeah, just hide away from people. And I, I really don't feel like people are uh, seeing people. And, and often I definitely have this image of myself as the grumpy old man. So uh, fellowshipping is, is not the easiest thing um, for me. Uh, and so this was a, a challenging talk. Um, to prepare. Now, as Craig said last week, as a church, we prefer to uh, teach from a passage, uh, working our way through a book, and see what the Bible has to teach us. Uh, but this time of the year, we take a break from that because we see the importance of the core values. So I am going to be basing around uh, Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, if you want to turn to that. But, uh, but we have taken a theme, and we are looking at teaching from that theme. So as you're turning to that, I want you to think about what your ideal church would look like. What would your ideal church look like? Would it be this magnificent, stunning building with the church spire, uh, pews? Some people love pews. I don't mind chairs. Soft chairs are nice, especially if you sit a long time. Um, I don't like long sermons either. I, I try and keep my sermons short so that you... you bums don't get too hard on the seats. Uh, would it be the fact that uh, you have a whole choir up here, here at the front? I love having just a full congregation, uh, a, a congregation in full voice and just listening to that. Would it be a choir or would it be maybe some guitars and drums? Sorry, Lee, we don't have the, the full band. Or maybe a, a, a full concert uh, band. Um, some violins and cellos and, and trombones. Um, or perhaps the staff up front, uh, taller, younger, good looking, maybe, or older with a, a full white beard that somehow lends wisdom and authority. <coughs> Lots of young, enthusiastic staff members to help. Maybe a youth pastor who is amazing with the children. Um, so, now I know that a lot of you have been well-churched and, and understand that the church is not just the building. The church is about the people. And so I'm sure that when you imagine your perfect church, like me, it's a lot about the people, isn't it? And you would hope for a, a large group of like-minded people for me, uh, a group of uh, young professionals so that people I can hang out with when, when I'm not too busy at work. Uh, sometimes I find it hard here with uh, a lot of marrieds that uh, they just can't come out and play when I'm free. Um, or maybe for you, those of you who have families, just a you know, good resource for babysitters. Um, and uh, it's because I know that that's important. Or other families that you can uh, spend time with and maybe swap baby clothes and, and do all of that kind of thing. But it's, it's, it's never quite like that, is it? 
You see, for most people, whilst it's wonderful to have amazing teaching and great music or, or tasty snacks, it's the people who make the church. Instead of being filled with the perfect people that you would like, it's usually filled with flawed, unfriendly weirdos. And to be honest with you, when I look in the mirror, that's probably me. Um, because that's who we are as humans, isn't it? So how can we become a church, that kind of church, the church that we long for, the church that is the bride of Christ, that is the church that is full of God's family, of people who are our family, so, turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So, we're going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And if you've got a digital copy, then we are looking at the ESV version. And they devoted themselves to the gospel, uh, sorry, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and pra- the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Wouldn't that be wonderful in a church? All things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were saved. What an amazing picture. This was the picture of the early church. Let me pray as we go on. Father, we long for the day when your church will be made perfect in heaven that we'll be singing with the heavenly hosts, with all of the hosts of saints, and that we have you there as our shining light guiding us, and we have eternity to spend with one another. Lord, we pray that you are here as you have promised, guiding us to wisdom in your word. Amen. I think it would be uh, patronizing for me to stand here and talk extensively about the benefits of good fellowship. We kind of know those things, don't we? How we encourage one another, how we help one another, how we make one another stronger. I said a couple of weeks ago that uh, a conference I went on, for young people the most important thing for good mental health was friendships. And the Bible backs this up. Proverbs 27, 17, you don't need to turn to it very briefly, it says, Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another, or one woman sharpens another. Hebrews 10, 24, some of you know this is a a memory verse. Let us consider how to stir one uh, uh, one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another, meeting. Mixing with other people makes us better people, doesn't it? So is, why is it 
that we put the meeting of people, the people of God, the people of our Christian family, low down on that list. Let's have a look at Acts 2. Why is it that they had the favour of all people in verse 27? And the Lord added to their number day by day. Isn't that what we long for? People to come in and grow this church. It would be amazing to be able to grow this church, to burst its bounds and maybe plant another church. That is what we long for and pray for. What is different about these people? Yes, the apostles were were doing wonderful signs and wonders. But there was something about these people that was different. As I said, reading this is difficult for me because it challenges me time and again. The difference, as with all things, is in their attitude. As an educator, that's always what I'm saying. It's in the attitude. Okay, it's not just doing the things that are asked for you. It's going that extra mile and taking the extra care. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Can we say that we devote ourselves to fellowship? Can we say that we devote ourselves to meeting up? Can we say that we devote ourselves to encouraging one another? More often than not, I'm just going through the motions. Doing my work. Coming to church. Verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. They devoted themselves to this community. I heard once that Jesus was the first communist. In fact, I, had, uh, that I brought that up in a conversation about political um, systems with, with a student, and we have quite a... a Heated conversation, good, really good debate with some of my students about uh, the benefits of capitalism and communism. Uh, but the early Christians were the first communists. They gave up their belongings and their money to the church. This was their commitment to the community of the church. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I, I'd, be, I'd love to see the face, look on Craig's face if you presented him with. Yeah, all your money and said, here, I'm going to become part of this community. I'm not sure whether he'd know what to do with it. I'm not asking you to do that. But this shows a sign of their commitment to the community out of the church and fellowship. And this is a challenge for me. Do I commit myself to this church? When I first arrived in Malaysia and for the last few years... I, like my colleagues, took every opportunity to go and travel. This is a wonderful place to travel. All these countries in Southeast Asia and Malaysia itself is a wonderful place to go and travel. I love to just pop up to Kuala Lumpur uh, or or Malacca. Malacca is an amazing place just to explore these lovely little shops. During my holidays, my school becomes like a ghost town. In fact, They're not even in Malaysia. All of the teachers just disappear, scatter. School finishes on Friday night and half the staff are on the plane in Senai and the other half are in in Changi. Okay, when I went this, yeah, this 
like weekend away. It was the Friday night I went up to Kuala Lumpur and I saw about 10 staff on, on getting in Senai you know, just to go on a plane. And I realized that this kind of attitude is wrong. Yes, it's a wonderful blessing to go and learn from other cultures, to visit these other cultures, to see, you know, I love to visit churches uh, in, in other countries as well and see their outworkings. I, I found a nice church in Bangkok. Um, I visit St. Mary's often in, in Kuala Lumpur and I find that a joy to visit. Um, but it's not showing my commitment to this church. So I've started to try and change my schedule so that I can make Sundays here. And this is still a struggle for me. There are wonderful activities in school, great activities, uh, visiting uh, orphanages, old people's home, helping out with local schools, some, you know, a lot of them on Sundays. But I've got to turn them down to prioritize church. Because when else, how often am I going to see my church family to get to know them and encourage them. One of my great joys in the summer is going back to London and visiting my church there, meeting up with friends, chatting with them, encouraging them. And it is, a, as I said, a great joy in my heart. I have to take the same attitude when I come back to, to long to be in this church to meet up with people, to encourage people, to find the time. Last year, a former student got in touch with me and told me that he'd started joining a church. He was a little bit concerned about this group because they said that they had the only way to God. Ding, 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 alarm bells. They said that that all other churches were wrong and that they had the answers. Yes, it was a cult. And it turns out, obviously, the fact that he had reached out to me, he, he obviously realized that something was a little bit off about them. And what, probably one of the main draws of the, this church was, was a girl that he got to know. That's often the case, isn't it? But, and, and I think that he reached out to me because he wanted me to convince, convince him of the right and wrong of it. Um, of going along and he knew that it was wrong and he has stopped I think Uh, he tells me he stopped Um, and I thank God for that I've been praying for him but one of the things that cults do really really well is they surround you with love and warmth and support they're incredibly overwhelmingly friendly all the reports and I've heard, come in contact with a few different cults over to the, the time. And they are so good at that. Sadly, in order to, they, they do it in order to draw you away from your friends and family and the support you have from elsewhere. That is one of the cult tactics. Other t- cult tactics are taking you away on weekends and preaching at you with sleep deprivation so that you kind of get brainwashed. And another cult tactic as with this case, is they, they like to send the, the most attractive young men and women to go and draw other people in. But it's sad that so many people are drawn in by this. 
It speaks of the loneliness of this world. And sadly, a lot of those people who are drawn in are Christians, are people who have grown up in church, are people who are from solid Christian backgrounds. And that, for me, makes me deeply ashamed. That as a church, we are not you know, giving that support, that warmth and love and support, so much so that when another group comes along, they get, don't get drawn away from this church. They don't get drawn away from their church. Because we are showing them love and warmth and family. I know that family is not easy. I've told you before that I really don't get on with my brother. Yeah, and uh, yes, my family's a bit weird as well. But they are family. And that, that is the group that I belong to. Should be the hallmark of this church, of every church, that we show love and warmth and fellowship. Jesus said in John 13, A new commandment I give to you. You all know it, don't you? A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And why did he say this? He said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When I used to read this, I used to think, well, how is that a new command? It's not really a new command, is it? Because the summary of the Ten Commandments, and often is, is spoken, is... Uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So strength, sorry. Uh, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So how is this commandment new that Jesus is giving? And Jesus says that he hasn't come to replace the Old Testament, but to fill the, uh, the, the law, the Old Testament law. No, it's not new to love one another, nor new to love one another sacrificially as Jesus is saying what's new here is to love one another as part of the family of God something that came up in the, the Bible study on, on Tuesday was uh, in John the fact that we now have entry into God's family that was new that Jesus gave us entry into God's family. Through the death and resurrection, through his sacrificial love, he gave us entry into God's family. Love one another as the family of God. Just as I have loved you, just as Jesus loved you to his very death, to save you and make you pure for salvation and eternity in heaven. But why? Why do we need to love one another? Yes, it helps to make us stronger. Yes, it helps to encourage one another. Yes, we need to support one another. But what does Jesus say? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. You see, Jesus says, love one another not because it's easy, not because you need to support one another, and, and elsewhere it does say that you do need to support one another, but for the glory of God, 
Paul witness to him because we are God's children we need to be witnesses for him because he first loved us we need to demonstrate his love and back to Acts and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favour with all people wouldn't it be wonderful to be known as a church for how nice we are, how amazing we are, how friendly we are, how glad and generous our hearts are. Having favour with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were saved. Wouldn't it be amazing, those you know, people wondering who we were and what was going on in this place that they would choose to come and visit because they wondered what amazing things were happening here so how do we become like the early Christians we have to devote ourselves to this community of the church we have to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching we must prioritize meeting and listening to the word and fellowshipping one with one another. It is amazing that the to hear about the the women's Bible studies and and I'm so glad that we had nine of us come together at the men's Bible study and and I know that some people had to rush off but but some people stayed and chatted and that was great even though I was I was a bit ill and I just completely you know, spaced out. I don't want to. I don't want to kick them out. Um, great to have them fellowshipping there, and I hope that people can come early and have some of the pizza early, so they can chat early and then stay on afterwards and finish the pizza, so that I don't have it for breakfast the next morning. Uh, but we should be meeting and encouraging one another and prioritizing church and our church family. Let me pray. Father, you have given us the wonderful gift of your church, your church family, this entry into your family. Lord, help us to see one another as brothers and sisters, people we can love and look after as perfect brothers and sisters, people we can also annoy and bug for when we need to borrow things and ask for advice, because that's what family do. Lord, we pray that we can use this, see this as our family and grow more and more together and love one another so much that others are wondering what's going on here, that we can glorify your name and be great witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen.